Father, just help us to be uh, faithful in our prayer time towards you. So, Father, we ask now that you'll bless uh, the rest of this service as we get back into the book of Proverbs tonight. Pray you'll speak to hearts. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, Proverbs chapter 29. We start a new chapter in Proverbs. And uh, so we're, we're zeroing in on the end and uh, still have a ways to go. Uh, but we've come a long ways uh, preaching through the book of Proverbs. Uh, but tonight, uh, the title of the lesson, if you will, the message is, How Are You Treating Others? Now, the thing about Proverbs, I've mentioned this several times, is there's a lot of repetition, maybe not word for word, but the same subject is covered over and over. And I'm not saying that complaining. Uh, God knows what we need, right? And I've uh, shared with you before, to me, the book of Proverbs is just a great practical book for us to read and to memorize and to use in everyday life. And, and it's a great, great book. It's not just an Old Testament thing. It's, we, we really get the mind and the heart of God, how to deal with things in this world. Uh, so what we've been doing is, and, and I, 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 I try to, you know, I want to I preach it how it is written. In other words, what God was saying but of late, uh, because we've been through these several times, I've been kind of making applications in different ways to these truths. And so I want to look at that, look at these first 10 verses in light of how are you treating others? And that's, that's really a question, and it's a good question. Um, and, you know, when, when a person loves others uh, in the biblical way, in other words, scripturally correct, uh, we might ask the question, is that equal to loving God? Or maybe a better way to put it is, is when you love others, again, in the biblical way, does that fulfill God's law? And, of course, most of us would understand, yes, that's exactly what happens. Jesus teaches us this in Matthew chapter 22. I have it on my notes already, verse 37. Uh, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, that thou shalt, thou, I'm sorry, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He says, on these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. And that's not, the, you know, we understand what he's saying there. That's the prophets preach the word of God. And so you hear me say often that when we're right with God, we will be right with people. So if we're not right with people, it's because we're not right with God in some uh, or many areas of our life. And so, no doubt, we can say that it is a, a biblical fact that how we treat others really represents our true fellowship with the Lord. Now, I use that word fellowship for a reason. Because I'm preaching mostly, you know, I mean, I always want to see folks saved, but we're looking at this from the standpoint of saved people. So our relationship with God is not contingent upon any type of work. Aren't you glad? Amen? And so, in other words, we're saved, we're born again, but our fellowship with God, amen, uh, that can suffer, can it? Just like our fellowship with our, with our parents or with our spouse or what have you uh, uh, can suffer as well. And so, again, it's, it's very important to understand that how we treat others, how we react to others even, uh, is really, it represents where we're really at when it comes to our fellowship with God. Again, if you struggle with people, it's because you struggle with God. Um, now, it doesn't mean, you know, I, I want to clarify this. Uh, you can be right with somebody, but they not be right with you. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, but, but again, if you're not right with somebody, you need to understand tonight, you're not right with God either. 
Amen. And so that's important to, to understand. Your fellowship is, is in a strain. So we're going to look at these Proverbs uh, through that lens tonight. Now, chapter 29 of Proverbs is still a part of those Proverbs that I've explained over the last several lessons that were part of a group of Proverbs that King Hezekiah uh, had re-emphasized. They're written by Solomon, but many decades and centuries later, Hezekiah would re-emphasize this particular block of Proverbs to bring revival back to Judah. And that's very important to understand as well because we've also been looking at this like as a nation. In other words, what we need to, to do as a nation. And I've really uh, enjoyed sharing those lessons with you. But today we're, we're mostly just focused on us personally. Uh, there's also uh, this chapter 29 is also really a conclusion to all the Proverbs from chapter 1 to verse 28 or chapter 28 as well. So these are things that we've looked at already uh, uh, many times even, um, but, but again, are very rich and needful. But our theme tonight is, again, is how we treat others. So we're going to look at it, you know, in this light. So number one, let's get into it. Number one, re refusing correction can lead to destruction. Look at verse 1 of Proverbs chapter 29. He that being often reproved hardened his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Here's somebody that will not take instruction. They harden their neck. They stiffen their neck. They, they are being hard-headed about it. They won't take the instruction that they're getting. And so, so again, it says there, that's pretty serious wordage, destroyed without remedy. I mean, that, that's pretty serious. And there's a couple of different ways we can look at that. The first way, we could really relate it to certainly an unconverted sinner. In other words, they keep rejecting God's offer of salvation. could certainly lead to their total destruction if they leave this physical life without ever being saved. Certainly, we could be talking about spiritual death uh, with no remedy. In other words, dying in your sin. But the other way is also that the believer can also stiffen their neck and live in rebellion. And there's a lot of scripture. Peter, uh, the book of James comes to mind. And the Bible makes it clear in several places that, that even a child of God, that we're not talking about heaven or hell, but we're talking about physical life. And I believe with all my heart that, that listen, a believer that will not take correction from God, that remains in rebellion, I do believe with all my heart that God will take their life if necessary. That's how serious he is. Now, I'm not talking about not making your heaven. I believe they go to heaven. And again, there's Bible verses that we could certainly talk about. But, but again, refusing correction is a serious thing. It's a very serious thing. And I think a lot of times believers don't understand that. So the point tonight is, is listen, God hates a stiff neck. What is a stiff neck? It's, it's you know, you won't bow. You won't do what you're supposed to do. Uh, and certainly we see right away this is important to God. And we're looking at this in the light of how we treat others because Jesus has already made the, the statement there that treat your neighbor as yourself is like unto loving the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, right? And so, so if we are uh, stiff-necked about not making things right with others, then I'm just telling you, you're in a dangerous position tonight. Amen. You know, uh, you can say that's my, that's just the way I am. That's my nature. I'm strong, I'm, you know, strong-willed, blah, blah, whatever. But I'm just saying at the end of the day, God hates stiff-neckedness. He hates it. And believe you me, he'll, he'll win. <laughs> 
he'll win one way or another. And so, again, we need to uh, be uh, careful about refusing correction because it could certainly lead to destruction. Number two, number two, uh, our private thoughts towards others. You know, uh, sometimes we'll say things like, I didn't say nothing, but boy, I was biting my tongue. <laughs> well, do you think God's impressed with that? <laughs> you, you, you did not, you did not, you did not, you, you failed the test, okay? Uh, I'm glad you didn't say anything, uh, but God looks on the inward man, doesn't he? Amen. And so that's really what God is, is concerned about. Now look at verse 2. Now again, we're, uh, I, I want to teach what it's saying here, but I want, to, I want to connect it to some things. It says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Now the practical teaching, and we've seen this verse in a couple different ways already. Certainly it's just, it preaches itself. I mean, there's really nothing there to explain. Certainly when the righteous are in authority, hey, we're excited about that. When people are wicked, the, the, when the wicked beareth rule, uh, the people mourn. Now here's why I wanted to look at this, because certainly... Uh, sometimes we see these words in the Bible, uh, these particular words, and certainly they are seen in an outward display. In other words, it, you know, we, we can outwardly show that we're sad, that we're disappointed in something. But if you take time to look at these particular words, and they, it simply means to mourn, uh, just the way we would think that mourn is, uh, and to rejoice just the way that we rejoice. But in this particular verse, it's really talking more about how people feel on the inside. In other words, uh, when, when, when the righteous rule, we feel good inside. You know, we got a pep in our step, we're happy. Uh, when, when the wicked beareth rule, you know, we may not be saying anything, but our heart is heavy. Uh, we're just not in a good mood, per se. You know, you know, so it's talking about here in this particular verse, it's talking about how f people feel on the inside. Uh, and so, so again, when we kind of trying to stick to our, our lesson theme tonight about... about uh, uh, you know, uh, treating other people, how we, how we treat other people. I just want to make a, a application here because I believe that it, this verse does show us something that God is certainly concerned about how we feel on the inside, right? Uh, just because we don't express something doesn't mean that, that God doesn't know how we feel on the inside. We know that God isn't going to just simply overlook things, if you will. And so as we kind of stay with this theme, what this is teaching me by application now, that, that inside attitudes uh, towards authority, because that's what this was talking about, uh, are important. Now, we are justified in feeling sad, uh, mournful about uh, leadership that is not of God. It's not a sin to feel that way. But again, it's just showing us that God does know and care about how we feel on the inside in relationship to authority. Now, that's, that's the principle that I want to just look at here. So I believe by application, we could really apply this to a general way. And so if we're holding in bitter attitude towards others uh, for a non-biblical reason, I just want to let you know tonight, that's not good for you. Amen. It's not good for you to, to arbor feelings towards somebody. Um, uh, it, it's something that if God knows all of these things, He certainly knows if we uh, have some feelings about somebody that we shouldn't have. Uh, in other words, you mean them harm or what have you. There's bitterness, there's hatred, those types of things. I'm just telling you, our private thoughts towards others, God knows. 
And if they're not if they're not justified as they are here, you could also be in some trouble. Number three, when it comes to proper treatment to others, it's not always about being agreeable with everyone. And that's important. You know, that's the world we live in today, uh, especially from those that lean toward the culture and the, what we call the left or what have you, liberal, uh, however you want to uh, define that. In other words, if you don't agree with them, then you're a hater and you don't think right and, and those types of things. And now we're to love those people, but it doesn't mean we have to agree with them. So when it comes to proper treatment to others, it's not always about being agreeable with everyone. Look at verse 3. He says, Whoso loveth wisdom rejoiceth his father, but he that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. And again, that's a very practical verse there. The, the general teaching of that uh, is certainly uh, living in a way that honors our parents, right? And certainly somebody, uh, you know, a godly family, uh, a, a, a dad that's worth his salt, a dad that really loves his son, would never want his son uh, to keep company with harlots and spend his substance. In other words, you know, waste his money. We think of the prodigal son. So the Bible makes it plain here that there are some that we have to avoid. In other words, the father would wish that he wouldn't do that. And so again, it's a practical thing. In other words, what parent would be pleased with a son who keeps company with such people, um, you know, a right-minded parent anyway. And again, I mentioned the prodigal son. Uh, he squandered his inheritance on riotous living, and, and that included immorality and those types of things. And, uh, you know, uh, tonight, you know, we're, we're, we're being careful, but, but we understand that, that, you know, the type of immorality that's out there, sexual type things, really causes a lot of damage and pain to a person. You know, we need to understand that. I know that our music, I say our, the world's music, uh, television, you know, just whatever, anything to do with Hollywood entertainment has desensitized our children, and they just get younger and younger and younger, uh, you know, as time goes on, uh, Disney's in on this, you know, um, it, it's just, it's, it's uh, pitiful, it's sad, it's, it's evil, it's wicked even. Um, and so in this sense, the, the, the proper way to treat those that are involved in those types of things, listen to me, I'm not talking about not loving people, but the proper thing is to stay away from it. Amen. Well, I know that part, and, and, but, but this part, oh, hey, listen, <laughs> you can't have bitter and sweet together, right? You can't do that. Um, there's just times, uh, probably more times than we realize, that, uh, listen, it, it, it's, it's, it's proper to not always agree with things. Uh, and, and that's really important. Uh, now, I'm not saying we use this to justify being unkind, to other people, just, you know, you know because, but, but listen, we do not have to agree or accept unbiblical behavior. That's so important to understand. Just like this father would not want his son to keep company, he would rather them stay away from those type of people. Not only do we need to stay away from certain kinds of things, but we certainly need to train our children up and protect them from those types of things as well. So when it comes to proper treatment to others, it's not always about being agreeable with everyone. Number four, leaders should have the right attitude towards those they are over. Certainly that's true. It's in verse four, the king by judgment establisheth the land, uh, but he that receiveth gifts overthrow it. 
And very simply there, this is talking about corrupt leaders. Won't tarry long on this one. But leaders who truly care about individuals, God is certainly pleased with. And, and uh, in other words, they're treating others the way they should. Leaders, uh, though, on the other hand, that take bribes, they're not, they're, they don't care about individuals. They don't care about other people. And, and that's going to result in people being treated unfairly and so on. And certainly God's not pleased with those that really use their position of authority and influence uh, to do uh, others wrong. Number five, God hates hypocrisy. Look at verse five. It says, A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. We've looked at this several times. Uh, here we have someone who dislikes someone on the inside, but they flatter them openly. You know, I mean, you talk about, I mean, that's just the... I mean, that's the epitome of hypocrisy, isn't it? Uh, I like what one commentator said. I'll just read what he wrote. He said, Flattery is different from encouragement because the latter is based on truth. Encouragement's based on the truth. And sometimes the truth isn't very flattering. <laughs> sometimes the truth stings a little bit. But it's based uh, on, on truth. Um, it says that the proverb indicates flattery hypes people but does not help them. Rather, it harms them. You know, uh, you know, and that's what we want to do sometimes. Uh, you know, people, there are people who will flatter you to your face but dislike you on the inside. You know, that's no good. I mean, that's, and what's odd about that is, is they, they really think that God doesn't realize that. And most of the time, other people realize it more than what they think. <laughs> it's pretty easy to pick up on. Uh, and so, so I think sometimes, uh, again, uh, people flatter another simply to disguise their terrible attitude towards that person they have on the inside. They hate them. They don't like them. They're jealous or what have you. Uh, they know it's wrong, so they try to smile and be nice, but they just, at the end of the day, <laughs> they, they don't like them. That is 100% hypocrisy. That is a problem with the heart towards other people, and you need to get right with God. Amen? Number six, our attitude towards sin will be reflected in our attitude towards others. You hear me say that quite a bit in different ways. But notice verse six, in the transgression of an evil man, there is a snare, uh, but the righteous doth sing and rejoice. And so this verse clearly shows two different attitudes towards life. Uh, those living for the Lord, they sing and rejoice. Amen. <laughs> sing and rejoice, right? But those living in and chasing after sin, what it's talking about there, you know, we have there a snare. In other words, those that are, that are living in, chasing sin, uh, wanting unbiblical things in their life or what have you, they are actually controlled by it. They're trapped by it. And that's pretty easy to see. And so those that are chasing, uh, living in sin, uh, doing things that aren't biblic biblically correct, putting God on the back burner for... Uh, personal, financial gain, whatever the case is. Um, you guys have heard me say this in different ways. You know, our problem is uh, that uh, a lot of times people are already walking around with their hammer pulled back already. You know, we used to say they're half cocked. What did that mean? Well, it just means it just takes a little bit for them to go off. Sometimes I say we're, we're living at uh, 211. Water boils at 212. Well, our problem is we walk around at 211, so just a little bit more heat, and we're boiling. <laughs> Amen? And I think probably men probably struggle with that probably more or so. I, I can't, I don't know for sure. Uh, I know I've struggled with that over the years. If I'm not careful, I'll still struggle with it today. 
And so, so again, our attitude towards sin is certainly going to be reflecting our attitude towards others. In other words, that's going to come out on other people. Uh, and those types of people that walk around at 211, those types of people who walk around half-cocked, walk around with that chip on their shoulder, daring somebody to knock it off, and when it does get knocked off, boy, howdy. Those types of people are easily offended. And I believe they're wanting to be offended. Um, which always results in a lot of drama in their lives uh, because their attitudes towards others is bad already because their attitude towards sin. They don't see it as sin. They don't see it as a sin against God. They don't see that the reason they're wrong with all these people is because they're wrong with God. And that's a sad state of affairs. It goes back really to our, our number one point, uh, refusing correction can lead to destruction. And these type of people do wreck their lives, and it's sad to see. Number seven. We must have the right attitude towards the needy and poor. And certainly this is uh, certainly a good way to treat other people, right? The righteous considereth the cause of the poor, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. Again, that's one of those that preaches itself. And we as Christians, we as a church even, we should help out with certain things. Uh, give to others that are less fortunate and, and those types of things. I've talked about this, won't get, do it again tonight, but we know sometimes people take advantage of that, but that's just the way it goes. Um, but uh, I just challenge you, you know, especially here at Christmas time, maybe, maybe do something this week uh, uh, you know, that, that focuses somehow on, on the needs of, of, of certain folks in our area, maybe people you don't even really know, amen? You say, well, what, what, why do I need to do that? Well, I'll tell you why. It keeps your heart tender keeps your heart tender. Amen? And uh, I know we can go, well, you know, they made their bed. Well, you know, if they quit doing this. Well, if they wouldn't spend their money on it. Well, you know, okay, well, yeah. But at the end of the day, they're human beings. You know, why not show some tenderness, right? Amen? Uh, uh, so, so, again, I think that uh, we have to have the right attitude towards the needy uh, and poor. And I think for the most part, our church does. But uh, we want to keep that up. Number eight, the right attitude towards authority. Look at verse eight. Scornful men bring a city into a snare, but the wise turn away wrath. You know, we have seen what the Bible says about government. Uh, we've talked about it in the book of Proverbs. We know there's other verses in the New Testament particularly. Uh, today, we live in a time when uh, there are some in the name of politics or, you know, social justice. And there's so many different names now, I can't even think of all of them. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're all about rebellion. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's all about stirring up strife, right? It's all about being loud and shouting down folks. I mean, that's the, there's no sustenance, there's no fact, there's no reasoning behind what they're saying, uh, so they just force, they just shout people down, uh, vulgarness, whatever. Um, they have no respect, and of course, we live in America. Uh, they have no respect for uh, the things that I think are great about America, even if you will, I'm not trying to over-spiritualize things, but even some of our great American traditions and laws, certainly uh, biblical righteousness would be in there as well. And so like the wicked in this proverb, those that are against those types of things, they stir up the city. <laughs> and that's what we see. You know, We see these things on the news and other places. Now the wise, on the other hand, it will stay away from such attitudes. Now, I'm not saying that we don't speak up when need be. Uh, I'm not saying that we don't be firm. But I will say this, and uh, I wish President Trump would have got a hold of this when he was president. 
But uh, we don't have to agree. We need to speak up, but we need to be calm. Because, listen, guys, we have the truth on our side. We don't have to shout it loud. We don't have to make, be stupid and draw attention. We just simply have the truth. Amen. And we just need to speak it. Uh, and and um, uh, certainly, you know, we need to vote that way. I've, you know, I've talked a lot about that in the last few nights. Won't, won't get into all that. But we need to speak the truth. Uh, and, and that's what I mean, truth and facts, not, not an ideology. Uh, you know, not, not my opinion about something, but here's, here's what the facts are. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, not just getting upset and, and hating, you know, all those that don't see it the way that we should. We don't want to fall into that trap ourselves. So we do need to have the right attitude towards authority. Uh, ver number nine, sometimes it's not just worth, sometimes it is not worth the fight to correct certain attitudes. You know, not every hill has to be conquered. Look at verse 9. It says, If a wise man contendeth with a foolish man, whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest. And we've seen similar verses. The Bible makes it plain, a fool cannot be reasoned with. We looked at Proverbs 17, 12, Let a bear robbed of her whelps meet a man rather than a fool in his folly. And we all know, we've, we've probably approached people like that. And so what this is talking about is that a fool's attitude can be so hard that one really is helpless to resolve anything with them. As he gives us two examples, have you ever tried to reason with somebody that was just so angry and enraged they just would not hear a word you were saying? We've probably encountered that before. On the other hand, have you ever just tried to drill it into somebody's head but they just laughed at you, thought it was a joke? I mean, it was just so shallow to them. You know, you were just so ignorant. They, they, they were scoffing at you. Well, that's the same thing. One is enraged, another one kind of laughs about it. But the Bible says here that, that listen, it's, it's, you, know, you can't really deal with anybody uh, about that. In other words, they're refusing that correction that we talked about in the first point. certainly could lead to their destruction. Now, again, we, we want to be careful. We're not talking about being rude and, or to hate such a person or, or give up praying for them or what have you. But... And now, you know, uh, we always want to err to the side of grace. Uh, I think sometimes, listen to me, Christian, I think sometimes we're a little quick to wash our hands of some people. So we need to be careful. There's balance to all this. But I do believe, and I believe I've experienced in my own life, that there does come a time after you have exhausted all your options uh, that we just have to say, I am not wasting my time trying to prove anything to this person anymore. In other words, I am, I, although... Uh, you know, you have a worthy cause, uh, you're, you're in God's will in this thing, there may come a time that you just simply have to put it into God's hands and say, all right, God, you, you'll have to deal with him. Uh, now, again, I'll, you should bathe that in prayer because there comes a point, if we're not careful, that when we're dealing with people that have a stiff neck, we deal with people that don't want to learn, they don't want to listen, and we keep trying to get that through to them, it can actually start working against us. And then pretty soon we're, we're in the flesh. Pretty soon we're mad. Pretty soon we're, you see what I'm saying? Pretty soon we're getting bitter about things. And so again, these are things that take a lot of discernment, uh, a lot of prayer. We don't want to be quick to come to those conclusions. But I do believe the Bible's teaching us tonight that uh, sometimes trying to be right with others, there comes a time when we have to say, look, it's in God's hands. I've done all I can do. Uh, and, and uh, you know, still want to pray for them. Finally, number 10. Number 10. 
The wicked have a bad attitude towards the righteous. There's no doubt about that, is there? Notice, look at verse 10. It says, the bloodthirsty hate the upright. Now, there's no getting around this. We see bloodthirsty and hate. We're talking about people that hate you so bad they want to take your life. That's what this is talking about. Bloodthirsty hate the upright, but the just seek his soul. What he's talking about there is they seek his well-being. They want good things for them. So the wicked have bad attitude towards others, uh, certainly in this case towards the righteous. In other words, those that uh, stand up for righteousness, that live by righteousness. Not their own, but God's righteousness. Uh, but on the other hand, people with the right attitude, they defend and care about those, uh, you know, others, and particularly those who are honest. Um, you know, it, it's sad, you know, I, I think we're seeing, you know, a lot of these things coming to fruition, even here in our own country, how someone can be bloodthirsty towards the righteous. And, you know, if the Lord tarries, I believe things like that are, are even going to happen in our own country. Uh, again, we're talking about hating people so much, they, they want to take your life. You know, here's the thing, folks, about, about hate and bitterness. And this is why even as we as Christians, we need to squash it as soon as possible. Remember, little fires are always easier to put out than big fires. Little devils are easier to kill than big devils. And if we're not careful, I don't care how close you are to God tonight. I don't care how much you know your Bible, read your Bible, pray, you know, all the things that we should do as Christians. But if you allow hate and bitterness to settle into your heart, listen, hate and bitterness has no governor. There is no stopping point. You cannot control it. It will grow, it will grow, it will grow. So you need to, you need to be rid of it when you have those types of things uh, towards uh, people. It can morph into awful sin. And we read about it in the news. We, we hear all types of things about people that are, I never would have thought he or she would have done that. But they kept that, they kept it, until finally when that boiled over, uh, people actually lost their lives. And uh, so we need to uh, have a right attitude, certainly toward the righteous, and we need to take care of it. So again, I go back to that first point, refusing correction can lead to destruction, and certainly there's many, many examples of that over the years. So, I'm done. Our attitude uh, is the big one tonight. And I want to remind you, even if it's not seen by others, you know, uh, we might hide it from other people, but our attitude inside reveals if we're being foolish or wise towards God. I want, I want you to understand that. And uh, so if there's things in your life, you know, that, that are causing you to not feel right towards somebody, and I'm not talking about disliking what they're doing, but hopefully you understand if you're, you know, jealous, uh, bitter, angry, whatever, hey, listen, you, you don't want to keep that. Um, and I believe this happens even amongst church family. You know, I far as I know, we don't have none of that going on uh, in our church, but, but we could, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a know-it-all. Um, uh, but I do believe there are times, and I believe I have seen it in different church families, that a lot of people were not what they were pretending to be. And it always came out when they didn't get their way. <laughs> Amen. You know, um, we ought to be, as the psalmist says in Psalm 139, 23, and this is something, in other words, we don't pray this when we're upset and mad. We just ought to pray this all the time. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. We ought to pray that every day. 
Even if things are going good, amen, try me. You know, make sure, Lord, I am thinking tonight. This could mean a lot of things, but tonight we're focusing about our thoughts on other people. Am I loving my neighbor as myself? Because if I'm not, I'm not loving God the way I need to. So search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. James says in chapter 1, verse 22, that we can what ourselves? Deceive ourselves. You know, you can deceive yourself tonight. You know, you can, you can believe a lie so long that you truly start believing the lie that, you told, that you've come up with. We can deceive ourselves. And there you say, what do you mean? Well, that when we deceive ourselves, it, we are justifying our foolish behavior. Well, I know what the Bible says, but, hey, listen, you have just deceived yourself. You know, it, it's, it is, uh, I know what the Bible says, but in my mind, <laughs> you have deceived yourself, right? You say, well, I, you know, it's, you know, I just got to go with my heart. That's the stupidest thing you can ever do is go with your heart. What does Jeremiah say about the heart? That's right. Desperately, deceitful, desperately wicked, I believe is the wordage. You know, how many people have followed their heart and did the stupidest thing they ever could have done? I'll raise my hand. <laughs> I'll raise another hand. I'll raise a foot, okay? I, you know, hey, listen, it's, it's you know, listen we, we, listen, we can deceive ourselves, any of us tonight. So our attitudes ought to be shaped by what tonight? What ought to shape our attitudes tonight? The Word of God, amen, the Bible. Praise the Lord. How should I feel or think about other people? The Bible, right? Not my life experiences, not how I've been let down, but what thus saith the Lord. That's how I ought to be treating people. Amen. Hey, listen, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'll tell you this, it'll be a lot easier than the life you're living now if you're not doing that. Amen. There we go back to those people at 211. <laughs> Half cocked. That's a... Hey, I, I lived that way for a long time as a young man. That's a terrible way to live. Every time, you know, you're just always ready to get after somebody. That's, that's tiring. <laughs> that's hard on you. And it doesn't make you a very nice person to be around. Amen. Hey, this, I just want you to understand tonight. Hey, listen, I don't, I don't see any problems in our church. I'm just preaching what the Bible gives us as we go through the book of Proverbs. I don't have a particular reason for doing any of these things, but I just know that if we're not careful, these things can creep into our life. So I just end with our title again, How Are You Treating Others? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and Brother Brad's going to give us a little music there to play.